serving the Lord Jesus. There's just nothing out there. Super thankful. Um, I want to just say thank you to this church for praying for me. You know, we take that for granted. We, uh, we ask for prayer. We, we bring those things. But I'm genuinely thankful that people in this church pray for me. And God has done so many great things. We just testified about Him, and, and I just can't believe the work that God does. I mean, Katie, you and Riley talked about where God has brought us. He's just getting started. Like, there is so much to come. And, I, I mean, we've been serving the Lord now, I can finally say, you know, 20s, over 20 years. I'm going, wow, i got like 25 years serving the Lord. And He just keeps on just doing more than we'd expect, above and beyond what we could ask or even desire. And so... You know, you young people, you stay with your faith, and it's not about what you get, but there is such reward in the kingdom just being a part of what Jesus is doing. He's just getting started here, so I'm excited about what he has. I've been working on this creation study, and and I want to kind of give an overview tonight about a study of creation is what we're going to call it, but what I want to do is just kind of share with the church something I'd like to do for the youth, is I'd like to take a creation study and create a, a, semi, a semi-curriculum using our first principles and, and the origin of, of creation and what God has planned for us. One of the frustrating things I have found is in the world of Christian apologetics, they're always in the weeds trying to be smart. And I'm not, hey, look, there's some amazing apologetic stuff out there, material out there. There are some things that blow your mind about what God has done in creation. I don't mean to attack that, but what I'm saying is in Christendom today, We'd rather get in the weeds and discuss all the sciences and the nuances and all the little details of creation, and we want to get really cute and smart. And I'm telling you, it's a very simple, straightforward thing that God did. He spoke into existence who we are this entire world. And there's a purpose to that. That purpose is Christ. And so in all the creation studies I'm watching and reading and doing, and, I, and I've done over the many years, it's, uh, it mentions Christ, but the whole goal is to get you just to believe that God used the elements and the different things to create and how it's impossible for evolution to be real. And that's all great. We'll touch on that, but we want to focus on Christ. I just feel like in this church and what the vision is in this body is to bring Jesus Christ forward and to exalt Him. And so I'd like to take the first principles that Pastor Rodney and, and Pastor Rod have done and I'd like to create, take that and expound on it in the seven days of creation. I've asked Brother Austin to help us as we do kind of partner with this, and, and we're going to see what we can put together. We're going to see how this thing's going to come out each week as we go through day by day. But in this, the study of creation, I just want to give you an overview. We're not going to get into the days tonight. But in the first principles course that Pastor Rodney and Pastor Rod put together, I'm going to quote much of that tonight. I know How many of you have gone through first principles? Okay, so a little more than half of this congregation. So for some of you, this is all going to be new. Isn't that awesome? You probably heard it all at some point. But for others of you, it's okay to have repetition. It's the best teacher. The more we can talk about it, and if we can speak of it starting in our junior high or even earlier and through our high school and college, we're going to have a good understanding of the origin of God's intent and the purpose that He has in this earth today. Amen? There's a lot of study that we can do. There's a lot of time we can spend breaking down nuances. Remember, there's a call that's come forth to save us. Just remember that you cannot come to Christ unless the Spirit draws you. So no matter how in-depth of study we ever get, without the Spirit of the Lord, without the calling and the drawing of His Spirit, there's no relationship with Him. 
And so thereby, we have to respond in type and respond spiritually to the Lord. And so I just want to set this stage as we get into some of these things. that The call of Christ goes beyond just understanding. Although we have to love the Lord with all of our mind, we have to have understanding. But there is so much more to the heart and the relationship of God than just simply knowing what the book says. We've got to get to the author of the words. Amen? I want to understand where we're going. So in origins, we start to look at creation and the origin of what God has laid down. We need to understand where we're going. If you get off track, you're going to be way off track down the road. Anybody here ever been lost before on the roads? Only Jennifer and I were the only two that have ever gotten lost. (laughs) You make a wrong turn and go the wrong direction and you get further and further away from where you need to be. The same is true in your spiritual life. And if you get off the foundation and you misunderstand God's intent and you misunderstand God's purpose, you'll find yourself lost. And if you don't understand creation, it's the first verse in the book. It's the first verse and the first chapter, and there are many Christians and churches and denominations today that get the first verse wrong. They already have it wrong. How can you ever find Christ? How can you ever stay with what God has for you if you get the first sentence in the Bible wrong? And so we need to be foundationally sound. We need to understand the intent and the purposes of God so we don't get off track. Pastor Rodney mentioned David in the Scripture. He gave this verse. I want to read it again. Psalms 119, 26 and 27. I have declared my ways and you have heard me. Teach me your statutes, David says. Make me to understand the way of your precepts so I will talk of your wondrous works. Pastor Rodney discussed about how David had this heart after God and God loved it. This is the heart that we want to be taught by the rabbi himself. Us getting up here, myself tonight, and expounding in the Scripture, it's good to get you thinking. It's good to get you perspective. It's good to bring up some Scriptures maybe you haven't thought of or maybe getting some foundation. But if you don't take what we've said and what you learn and take what you see in the Scripture and go to Jesus Himself, there's no relationship. If He doesn't teach you in spirit and in truth, you don't worship Him in spirit and in truth. There is not a relationship there, and you will not understand the Lord. You won't grow in the Lord. Young people, stop being content with learning in youth group or learning at church. You've got to get a relationship with the Lord, and you need to learn from Him. We take what we have here, we apply it to our life. We live it. We breathe it. We seek Him. We want Him to teach me. This was David's big secret. Is this heart that said, teach me, Lord. There are priests in that time. There are prophets in that time. There are those who knew the Word of God in that time. And David's prayer is, I want to learn from you, God. Not that he didn't go to church. Not that he didn't learn from others. But there is a relationship. I love the rabbi teaching. What pastor's been bringing is such a reminder to me of the need to get before the rabbi to take what my ministers are telling me and teaching me and the hours of study, the countless hours of prayer, the setting up of curriculum, not so they can pat themselves on the back. I don't think you've made a dime on what you've written, Pastor Rodney. I'm pretty sure it's just volunteer work for the church so that we could take it and get to know the rabbi, so we could have something to go to prayer with, more than just, God, I need this, God, I need that, but rather, Lord, teach me your statutes. 
help me to know your ways. God's intention in the earth is found in Genesis, and it's repeated in John chapter 1. I don't feel like it's by accident that John used some verbiage in John 1.1 describing origin. So for us, let's just look at Genesis 1.1. You probably can all quote it, but for those of you young people, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's the opening statement of Scripture. It's Moses' opening statement. There's just one account of creation ever told in this world, and it's from God through Moses. Science does not describe creation. It never has. Creation is theological, not scientific. Somebody write that down. It's theology. In John 1, 1, it says, in beginning. John's going to write and he's going to use an opening phrase, very similar to the opening of Scripture, only this time he's going to open in his gospel of the new covenant, and he says, in beginning. In beginning was, is, will be the logos. It's this term that means forever established is the logos of God. And the Logos was, is, will be with God, and the Logos was God. The same was in beginning with God. All things were made by it, and without it, nothing was made that was made. In Him, now Jesus, the Word made flesh, the Logos made flesh, was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overtake it or overcome it. John's going to make an opening statement here that is very close to Scripture. How many knows the first thing God created? What was it? The first thing God created, when He says He created the heavens and the earth, and He's going to start with one single point. Anybody know? It's light in darkness. And Jesus is that light. I think it's amazing that John is going to say this, and, he, and now we're talking a physical creation point in Genesis, bringing it into a spiritual creation point of the human heart, because there is a rebirthing and a regeneration that God has always planned in the human life, and that's only going to be done through the Creator Himself, who's going to recreate you in His image, speaking light into darkness. I think it's powerful. I think it's origin. I think we need to understand what Jesus is doing in our life now. Creation is theology. I don't want to get in the weeds with science trying to prove creation. Let me give you a, a point that we have to understand as Christians. The Bible is accurate and right and true. And science does not validate Scripture, but rather Scripture validates the science. We could save scientists a whole lot of time if they would understand this concept. If you start working on something and it violates the Word of God, drop it. It's not right. It's not real. It's not going to work. It doesn't hold up. If you're going to work in the realm of biology and you start getting into some things that violate the Word of God, uh, like gender identity and some of this crazy sexual identity and some of these things, just drop it because it's not going to be good for you. It's walking outside of the Word of God. I wish they would stop wasting time. And they'd get to things that can actually matter and actually help human beings as we walk through this life. But creationists have not done a good job helping. They spend so much time searching and looking for archaeology and science to, to validate and prop up their belief that they've allowed the world to have so much influence over our theology. 
We have taken it to such extremes, looking for science to help us validate what God said. I'm just going to just free you for now. You don't need all that. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Is that a hard thing to understand? I think we can get our five- and six-year-olds to memorize Genesis 1-1 in just, a, in just a few minutes. I think they can understand that. Did God make everything? Yes, He did. That's good enough. But wait, there's all this other stuff. It's good enough to understand God's Word. Now, there's some amazing things out there, amazing truths. There are things that can inspire us, but if we don't get the basic faith from the Scripture and we need something else, we're in trouble. You're not going to make it. Any study of creation that comes outside of Scripture is not foundational truth. It's all going to be based in the Word of God. The ultimate reigning truth is the Word of God. Up until Charles Darwin, the world accepted creation. In the mid-1700s, there started to be some thought about different ways that we came into being. But until Charles Darwin, it was generally, universally assumed we were created by something. Intelligent design was 100% of the world believed to be that's how we came into being. And then, in, and then we bring in Darwin, and we bring in all these ideas of evolution, and, and science is reaching new heights, and science is going forward, and, and there's this whole new world to go out and look at and, 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 and to, to study and to find all these truths, and all it was is a big deception and a big lie. But it has deceived many in the faith. The Bible's not theory. The Bible is truth. Understand it's not theory. Understand that evolution is theory. Science is theories. That's, what, that's how it works. And in, in those theories, some things are proven fact. But the evolutionists are still working with a theory that's 150 years old. It's still theory. The Bible is fact. You can bank on it. You can trust in it. Do not deviate from the Word of God. When you have a question about your life, who you are, what to do, where to go, it's in the Scripture somewhere, somehow. Get before the rabbi. Get before the Lord. He will show you. The ministers He's put in your life help guide you to Christ, not to themselves, to the Lord, not to something in the world, to Jesus, the wonderful counselor, not trying to get you into the world system. And I'm not telling you there's never a time to talk to somebody. I'm not telling you there's never a time that there's some medicine out there. But I'm saying that foundationally, you need Jesus first. Everything else is theory. We have one eyewitness account of creation. There is one eyewitness, and it's God Himself. There's just one. He shared with Moses what He shared. But in Christendom, it actually reveals, this verse reveals who's in and who is out. Right away, verse 1, who is in and who is out. Do you believe God created everything? Do you believe God is the source of all life? The source of everything? He keeps it going. He started it. He'll finish it. Do you believe that? And there are many who don't. They're out in verse 1. Don't be part of that crowd. Young people, don't get deceived in school, in education, by some, some TikTok video, some YouTube video. Don't get deceived by some Twitter, by some guy that's just going to post some bullet points on Twitter. Look, you just let it go. You have 
Christ, you have the Scripture, and that is what you need. In one simple statement, we have major truth from God. One statement's going to cover some huge scientific points. It's so simple that our children can understand it. We don't need to go to Peter and say a thousand years is as a day and a day is as a thousand years and try to apply it to Genesis when God said He created the earth in, in seven days, six actual days and the seventh day He rested. And we try to get real cute. And we're taking, well, well, if a day with the Lord is a thousand years, let's apply that to Genesis. That's not what Peter is talking about. That's not what he's talking about. The Genesis account is very straightforward. God told Israel, I did this in seven days, and the evening and the morning was day one, and the evening and the morning was day two, and the evening and the morning was day three, and everybody in Israel understood evening and morning is a 24-hour day. And our God created the heavens and the earth, and He did it miraculously. And yet now we want to take things and we want to confuse them. God is not trying to hide some deep eternal truth in Genesis 1.1. There is not something that we're missing that's this deep need for study in the Genesis account. It's an account of what happened. There are things we misunderstand. There are some concepts or things maybe we don't understand as we get into Genesis. But this is not super deep, church. This is the creation account of God. We need to get simpler. The pastor said it this morning. We, we overcomplicate something. We need to get simpler in what God is saying to us and just root our faith in Him. God is not hiding anything on this one. There are some beautiful pictures. There are some awesome things to see Christ in, but there's nothing hidden here. Renowned evolutionary philosopher Herbert Spence was an advocate for Darwin in the 1800s. He came up with this scientific, basically, rule. So he says that the five ultimate categories that science examines is this. Time, force, action, space, and matter. He set this up, it's still used today. This is what they're going with. It took him years to formulate these things. He finally publishes this as the five major categories after years of study, and yet God in one sentence handled them all. In the beginning time, God force created action. The heavens are space and created the earth matter. In one verse, in one sentence, God had done years and years of work by an evolutionary scientist telling you it's foolishness in this day to put any faith and trust in this system. Back in the 70s, they were afraid that the earth was going to get so hot we'd all burn up. Now it's, you know, or we we're going to freeze and now we're going to burn up. You go back in the 70s, everybody was going to freeze to death and now here we have, cli you have, you have climate change to the fact that we're going to get so hot we're all going to die from heat. Polar ice caps are melting, now we're going to freeze again because now the polar ice caps are melting so that's going to cause a freeze. I don't, do you guys know? Can you follow any of that? They're confused in their own system. God's not confused. Heavens and the earth are held together by the word of His power. They will melt away with a fervent heat, though. I'm going to go with the guys talking about it burning up more than I'm going to go about it freezing. It's just going to be when the word of the Lord comes to pass and He says, it's finished, it's done. And the trump sounds and it is over. I find it interesting that we have so many intellectuals wasting their time trying to explain in what, what God did explain in one sentence. God created time, force, action, space, and matter. He made it. He caused it to come into existence because it wasn't there before. It was just all God. Nehemiah 9.6, I love his declaration. 
You talk about men of God who know the Lord. He's speaking to God, Nehemiah 9, 6. You alone are the Lord. You made heaven, the heaven of heavens and all their host, the earth and everything on it, the seas and all that is in them. You preserve them all, and the host of heaven worships you. There is a revelation that comes to the heart of every believer and server of the Lord God Almighty, and it is that He is significant and we are not. Lord, You preserve all things. By the word of His power does everything consist, does everything stay established. And Nehemiah understands that. And David has understood that. And the old prophets understood this. You alone are the Lord. Nobody else. You can't get out of verse 1 of the Scripture without making a declaration like this. Either you believe this or you don't. There has to be an established word in your heart. And I know I'm dragging this point on. I understand that it's for a reason. Because I don't want any young person to walk out of here tonight and be even remotely unsure about the declaration of faith that begins in Christ and it's established all the way back in the beginning. God made all of this to bring forth Himself so that you could be saved, so that you could know Him, so that you could have fellowship with Him. It's all about Jesus. You just get an opportunity. God has no beginning, man does. God has no origin, man does. Everything that man has, that man is, that man can be, is anchored to the fact that He has a Creator. Everything is anchored to this fact that we have a Creator. When we walk outside of that and try to get on our own and try to make our own way outside of Him, how well does that work for any of us in here? It fails. And if it doesn't fail in this life, it all comes to an end. You get buried six feet under like everybody else. The greatest men this world has ever seen die, go to the grave with nothing. Because... Man has a beginning, man has an origin point, man has a purpose in God, and to walk outside of that, it's empty. There's nothing to it. You leave this earth and you're gone. If you're in Christ, if you're in God, you're going to follow that plan and that purpose that He originally designed. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Why would we want to walk outside of anything else? I was talking to a technician. He's a guy that works on trucks. It was in Reading. <clears throat> we were talking about the Lord one day. He had this big Silverado 3500 diesel truck. He's working on that truck. Next to it was a Corvette and an X-Stall. As we're talking about God, he asked me a couple of questions. And, you know, I, and he said, man, I just, I don't know. I don't know if, about all the God stuff. I mean, I, I believe we we're created by something. I just, I've gone to church. I don't really believe in Jesus. I don't know about all this God stuff. I said, man, you're designed for a purpose. Your design is to serve the Lord. You're designed to serve God. You're designed to have Him be your master and you be His servant. You're designed to love God, to serve God, to follow God, to ju not just obey God, but to love Him. Yeah, that's what you're designed to do. You're, you're literally made and created to do this. In that is fulfillment, the filling of His Spirit. There is so much fruit, love, joy, peace, self all the things that you want your life to be is found in Him. I told Him, you have this purpose. I said, look at these two vehicles. 
would you take that truck and go to the racetrack? Would you race that truck? Would you take that Corvette out there? He said, well, dude, I'd take the Corvette. Well, would you hook that Corvette up to a trailer? Would you take that Corvette out and, and hook it up and, and try to haul something you know, in, in, across your property? Would you haul rock? Would you haul? No, I, I wouldn't. Because the truck is designed to be used for something, and that Corvette is designed to be used for something. Why would you be so foolish as to take one of those and apply it to what it does not, it's not meant to be? So why would you take your life and apply it to something it's not meant to do? Why would you give your life to this world? Why would you take your life, and even for the joy or the pleasure of a season, why would you enjoy sin? Why would you take it and do something you were never created to do? And he looked at me and he said, man, I, I don't know. I said, it's time for you to go to church. You need to be back in church. That was part of the conversation we had earlier. And you need Jesus. He went back. I don't know what became of him. We've left. But I remember thinking about design and purpose and how much God has, has shown you what his intentions are, how he did it, why he did it, and what he wants from you. This applies to all walks of life. If philosophy does not line up with the Word of God, get rid of your philosophy. There's a lot of sayings we like to use. Dustin used to always say this. He said, man, there are people I know that are close to me that, that, that say that God helps those who help themselves. Man, that's just, that's such a, that's biblical. No, it's not biblical. Sounds good. If your philosophy does not line up with the Word of God, get rid of it. Listen to it. Listen to us sometimes. Some of the things we believe or think or say. Psychology, if it doesn't line up with the Word of God, get rid of it. If your psychology is off, get rid of it. You don't need to figure everybody out. You don't have to guess everything. You line up with the Word of God. If, if your sex education is off, get rid of it. Parents, be really careful. Be really careful in educating our kids. Don't let the world tell you how to teach them. And I'm speaking to the choir here. I understand that. But in case you had any concerns or questioning, and maybe you're not as good of a teacher as another parent, or maybe you don't think you're very, understand that keeping them out of the world system is a victory in itself. Just keeping them in the Word of God is going to teach them more than this world can. Money management, marriage and family counseling, business ownership, Judicial systems, governments understand that if these things don't line up with the Word of God, they are destined to fail. And they will fail in morality ways. It might seem like they're profitable for a season, but that's sin. It's a facade. Consider God in all your ways, starting with origin. Can you imagine a world that sought the Word of God as the ultimate authority? You realize America almost did it? <clears throat> we almost did it. The Constitution, the Founding Fathers. Let me tell you something that I, I believe. The, the, the older I get in this thing, the more I see this. King Solomon was incredibly wise. Wisdom from God himself. And Solomon wrote Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and Lamentations. And, and there were queens and kings from over the world that came to hear his wisdom, which came from God. But what Solomon did in his kingdom was he opened it up for pagan gods to come in and influence his nation. The wisest man who had all of God's principles down, understood all of the word of God, opened up his kingdom to this world, and it was his downfall. America has sought the word of God, consulted the word of God, applied the word of God in its foundations. 
We got input from God. We got consultation from God. The problem is he was not the authority of our land. We opened it up for other religions. We opened it up for pagan worship, pagan things. And congratulations, you have a melting pot. Barack Obama made that very clear. Of every kind of faith and every kind of thing imaginable. And then we sit back and wonder, why are these influences taking such hold? Just go look at Solomon. All the wisdom from God, and yet he let his kingdom be open to the influences of this world. And America is right there. So much wisdom, so much counsel we took from the Word of God. In the judicial court systems, we have the Ten Commandments just to remind us of how to judge properly. Was Solomon not a great judge? You remember they brought the two women were fighting over the baby, and, and they bring that in, and Solomon has this wise decision. Because wisdom does come from God. But if you're going to open your life to the influences of this world, it will come crashing down. In the United States of America, the reason why it's not going to stay a great nation is not because of great people, hard work, and, and economies. It's because we never made Jesus the authority of this land. We knew better. They knew they needed to. But they couldn't convince everybody to do it. So we compromised. We consulted God. We applied God's principles, but we never made him the authority of the land. Or your dollar bill would say, in Jesus Christ alone we trust, not in some generic God out there somewhere. Modern Christianism has left room for man to continue to define himself. We define ourselves by ourselves. We have a humanistic culture in the church. It has redefined mankind's purposes. It's redefined God's original intent, which is why I'm, I'm a stickler on creation. We have redefined God's purposes. They redefine what love is. They redefine all kinds of terms, including creation. <clears throat> Just look at the worship songs of today. And I did not get a whole bunch to read them because I don't want you to feel so bad. There's a lot of lyrics that are wrong, and they've been wrong. 100 plus years we've got lyrics that aren't scripturally accurate because it's about the music. It's, it's rooted not in good theology. It's rooted in, in playing a song or, or trying to give glory to God out of a heart. And I think sometimes that can be good. Just giving glory to God out of your heart, that's good. But I find it interesting that, that David, every one of his psalms are scripturally sound to the point that Jesus quoted out of psalms often. He's the, probably the greatest worshiper musically that's ever been, and every one of his lyrics are prayers to God. They're truth of God. They're scriptural. They're backed by the truth of who God is. They're incredibly real. They're honest. To a fault, they're honest. And yet today, we define ourselves by ourselves, and in our music, it's very humanistic. We always want God to rescue us, love us in our condition, come down to our level. Everything's about us. Everything's for us. Everything is to make us better, to make our life easier, to make some things go away in our life. God, heal this. God, take care of that. And it's not that God doesn't, and it's not that God doesn't love us in those ways. But the mindset is me first, God second. That's not origin. Everything about creation is designed for him, in him, through him, because of him. We're going to see that in a minute. Why do we let the world teach us the facts about God? When we're teaching our kids and we're getting into apologetics and we're getting into all of, you know, what Christianity has to say about creation, 
We are allowing the world to teach us the facts. And that's what bothers me. Everything in science that's going to support our faith, it's based on worldly science, not Scripture. And I think we need to be very careful when we're educating ourselves and our children. I think those things are good to look at. I think they're, they're fun, they're neat examples of who God is and what He's done, but they are not what builds your faith. Does everybody understand that? We just saw a very big apologetics preacher that went down hard for his moral uh, his moral indiscretions. He died, and it came to light all the different things he was doing, and yet he was a revered intellect, just brilliant in the faith. I am done with that. I'm over that. I don't think I need, I don't need to find another amazing, brilliant intellectual to help me understand the Word of God. Give me some men and women who are open, who are seeking the Lord, who understand a simple verse like God created the heavens and the earth, who understand some things like Jesus Christ demonstrated His love for me while I was a sinner. He died for me. Understanding some simple truths with a heart that's genuine that says, I want to sit at the feet of my God. I want to learn from Him. Those are the people I want to learn from now. Those are the people I want to be in, in communion with. And I believe that's you. That's me. That's many people who love God, not just in this church, but those are the kind of people I want to surround myself with. We poke holes in the truth so we don't have to face it as a church. Modern Christendom, they want to poke holes in righteousness and holiness and truth because they don't want to face God's truth. It's a lot easier to believe that everything's about you. It's a lot easier to believe that everything's about man than it is to believe that we have a responsibility to follow the Lord. 1 Timothy 1.17, now unto the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. We either believe the Scripture is completely accurate or we must evaluate the whole Bible as inaccurate. So Pastor Rodney said in the first principles. There are certain truths in this Scripture that if you can't believe and the whole Bible is inaccurate to you, you will not follow the Lord. Proverbs 16.4. Why did God create us? Well, the Lord made all for Himself. Proverbs 16.4. Solomon understood this, and yet he let in all of that filth and sin into his kingdom. Don't fool yourself. Just understanding the truth is not enough. You're going to have to apply it. I've learned this in my life. We are given profound truth in this church, the kind of truth that is not held back. We're preached to from these pulpits by our pastors. Revelation, they have spent hours praying and seeking and studying. With that understanding, I have got to go before the Lord Himself and get to know Him and apply it into my life through Him in Him, with Him, for Him. All those adjectives have got to be about Him or I'm going to miss it. Just like Solomon who declares, the Lord made all this for Himself. Then why, O Solomon, are you doing everything for you? Because it's very easy to get humanistic. Listen to your conversation. I had this happen. My, aren't wives great about pointing these things out, these flaws out? They're so good. Sandy's such a loving wife. <clears throat> there are times you'll start to talk about something and you start complaining. And, and, and I've had her at times say, really? 
is that really something to complain about? And, you, and then she'll use my words back at me, and I go, I just said that? I, that came out of my mouth? Because it's natural. The natural man is very selfish. God placed in you a fight or flight natural response when problems happen. You're going to fight to stay alive. You're going to run away to stay alive. One of the two is going to happen. Now, in America, we celebrate those that will fight to the death to stay alive. And those that flee, we call them a coward. But sometimes both of those options are humanistic and selfish. Understanding this, that your nature is to be about self. If you're going to fight that nature, you're going to have to lay your life down for the Lord. That's a principle that He's going to start from the very beginning. It's all about Him. It's not about you. And when I can understand that, I will walk after the Lord much more successfully. I'll get closer. I will allow Him to work in my life when I realize, and I truly realize, not just hear it, not just somebody said it, but I know it's not about me. Romans eleven thirty six: for Him, through Him, and to Him are all things. Come on, say all things. They're all. Colossians 1, 16 and 17. <clears throat> There's a lot of Greek in this verse. Those of you that have your first principles, that's a great place to go reread this. For in Him... Colossians 1.16, in Him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible. Whether they're thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created because of Him and into Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things consist. Nobody in this world is getting out of this truth. God gives free will, and free will sometimes has this feeling that you're on your own. You have this feeling like, I can do whatever I want, be whoever I want. And, and, and then America, like, like, supports that idea. You can be whatever you want to be. Uh-huh, but if you're outside of Christ, you have a destiny to come that's not good. You might be something in, in this workforce. You might be able to be a, 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 a NASA engineer, an astronaut, you know, you might be a police officer. You might be a doctor. You could be, you might be president. Congratulations. But if you miss the purpose, if you miss what God's intended for you, it doesn't matter at all. And so this idea of go out and, and, and just create this life for yourself and, and be successful and earn money and, and do everything you can do to have a, a legacy in this world would be a disaster come the end of your life because the Bible says that every one of us gives an account on our life. And if we walk outside of the purposes of God, then we are going to be in a disaster. And this verse reminds us, in Him is everything. In Him is all things. It's created because of Him, not because of you. It's into Him, not you. All things by Him, in Him consist. And when He says it's done, it's done, and there's not a thing you can do about it. Why would you Walk out of the design of God and into the design of man or the design of the enemy of your soul, Satan, and live that life when you were created and designed for a different purpose. What I'm telling you is you need to be established in what God has done from the beginning, and you need to be faithful in that and, and, and have a comfort in that, a confidence in knowing my God has everything under His control. Everything. So America falls apart. My God has everything under His control. So things are going crazy in this world. God has everything by the word of His power. 
And there is a peace and a confidence in that, that, okay, God, should everything be going crazy in our physical world, your design and your purpose still has not changed. I serve you. I follow you. I live this gospel. I share the light of the light of men with those around me. That's my purpose. It's simple. It's consistent. God hasn't wavered from it. He might send some to the mission field. He might send others to the workplace. He might keep some moms at home raising kids. But it's the same call and the same goal and the same life that God has made for every one of us. So God did not create us for us. He's not here to serve me and give me everything I've always wanted. He's not created for our pleasure, but we're created for His pleasure. Revelations 4.11, creation's about Him and not us. There is one revealed truth of God that He's unveiled and continues to unveil, and it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's the revelation. We get to it a lot of different ways. One of the, I love good, good preaching. I love our preaching here. I love what all the brothers come up and tell us because it's the same unveiling of Christ, but it's in different ways. But I'm getting to the same source because guess what? God's intent and purposes have not changed. It's the same. The unveiling and the revelation of Jesus Christ to mankind. 2 Corinthians 4, 6. And we're almost done. For God, who commanded the light shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The same way that God is going to speak light into this world out of nothingness, does God speak light into your heart. But He has a face. He has a countenance. He has a character. It's just Jesus. If you're going to receive God and the light, you're going to receive Christ. There is no other religion. There is no other way. There is no illumination of any kind of intellect out there. There is no higher stratosphere. There is no, you know, meditation that you can get enlightenment to and receive light. It's not possible because light is created by God. And He's going to have it shine in your heart in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other light. Don't look for it. Don't find validation in this world. Don't find validation out there by some study, by some science, by something you get. It's just an unveiled revelation of the light of Christ in your heart. And in John 1.14, the Logos became flesh and dwelled among us. In the beginning was and is and will ever be the Logos, the logic of God, and it became flesh. It's Jesus. He's not separated from God. He is God. He created you. He made you. And then He came and redeemed you with His own blood. This is an amazing, amazing miracle. And He demonstrated such great love in one way. While you were a sinner, while I was a sinner, He died. His arms are open wide. They are open. It's just not that He's reaching every time we reject Him. He's not begging you to take Him back. That is humanism. But is He open and is He ready and does He love? Yes, and He showed it and He said, that's how I love you. And you must come to Him. There's a response that is required in this kingdom. It's not optional. 
God does not just force you to serve Him. I don't know where we got this idea. Not from the origin. We will look at some of God's marvels in creation. We're going to take a look at some of those things with our youth. We're going to address some huge holes in the belief of evolution, and we're going to address some. But my prayer and my goal in, the, in this creation series with our young people is to fully unveil God's plan to boldly exclaim the gospel of Christ. Because if we miss that, then there's no point. If we just turn out a bunch of smart, apologetic Christians who can argue the point of an intelligent designer, we haven't given them Christ. And listen, I love, I love that there's some people smart enough out there to study and see some things in this earth. And I'm thankful for medicine, aren't you? I'm thankful there's some people that have figured some things out because I'm not smart enough to do those things. But there's a truth that I understand. It's my need for a Savior. It's my need for the Lord. We have got to under that is the most important relationship you'll ever have. It's the most important revelation you're ever going to get in your life is who Jesus is. That is it. And you've received it. You don't need anything else. Other things might be good, might, might be interesting, might help you in, in explaining your faith to somebody, but that's not what you need. You need Jesus. I want to loudly and proudly unveil His plan to become flesh and rescue creation for His good pleasure, not for you. Because of that great love for me, not because I'm deserving of love, because of His great love. And it's great. And He loves us. And He's merciful. And He's holy. And He's all these amazing things. It's just that I didn't deserve it by my own merit. I didn't somehow, He didn't just make me and say, that's my child and I'll do whatever it takes to save Him. But He did die for my sin while I was a sinner. And He did say, come. He said to everybody that will come, to any who will come, and all who would come, would there be such reception and love and joy and peace. Let's not miss that. Finally, He is the master planner. He's the archegon, the author and finisher of our faith, the captain of our salvation, the plan all along and still is this. Hebrews 12, 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, for the joy set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat in the right of the throne of God. The plan all along, the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world, has always been Christ. And the plan still is Christ. He's the light. He's the light that's going to shine. So anyway, I appreciate you guys listening to that, be praying about this. Hopefully, between myself and, and, and Brother Austin, we're going to be able to put together a series that I think our kids can use for a long time. Stay in prayer for that. Amen? God bless you. Pastor?